It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to recap the muskie opener with Steve Sapaniak. He's been busy out on the Lacs. Musky fishing out there. We'll also talk some uh, walleye and bass fishing up on Winnie and Leech Lake. And also, it's food plot season, so we don't want to forget about the hunters. Brent Beimert with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop will drop by and talk about uh, putting in some food plots for this coming fall. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a new rig, Fishing reports and the perfect uh, dock arrangement for your lakeside living. The gateway to the Cuyuna Lakes area, Orzen Mine, on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we start the show off with Ray Gildow at the Nisswa Guides League. And Ray always keeps us updated on Leech Lake, Winnie, and the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. We'll start up on Winnie. Uh, Ray, what can you tell us? Well, there's a, like I said before, there's a really a good hatch in 2018 and even in 2019. So we're starting to see a lot of those um, 9 to 12 to 13 inch fish appearing on the lake, which is really encouraging because it's going to be, I think, really good next year. Those are, A lot of those will be keepers that probably we wouldn't be keeping this year. And uh, there's still a very good population of that 18 to 23 inch fish, and that's the slot, unfortunately. Can't keep any of those. You can keep one over 20, but uh, 20 or over 23 rather uh but the bite's been it's been tough to get on the lake for a number of days this week uh we've had 35 mile an hour wind gust and which is affecting all of us everywhere but um it's been a stormy windy period which has made it tough to get on the lake a lot of times but when people have been able to get out there uh according to uh kim over at high banks they've been doing pretty well and uh, i think as with leech we'll see that there's a transition now from spot tail shiners. Hardly anybody has them anymore, uh, and people are moving over to crawlers, leeches, crankbaits, and spinners even with crawlers on them. So time to start thinking about that. Leech Lake, it's been a mixed bag. and It's like Winnie. These are very large lakes, and you can talk to some people, and they've had really poor luck. And then you talk to other people, and they've just been pounding them. Uh, I had a friend that was uh, there just a couple of days ago on Pine Point, and they got over 25 walleyes, and they were able to keep their limits. And on uh, Leech, the limit is four fish with one over 20 inches. So that was uh, very, very good. And uh, there's evidence I think we're seeing around the lake on Leech that the fish are migrating now from those shoreline areas, from the sand, uh, and they're moving out into the uh, rocky reefs. Uh, they're moving into the mid lake areas. They're just they're in that transition period from going there. Uh, you won't necessarily find them in all those reefs, but they're moving their way out that way. And uh, the spot tail bite is pretty much over on leech too. Talk to Jack Shriver up at Shriver's Bait in Walker. Uh, he's all done with spot tail uh, shiners. Are not going to have any more this year, and so they've been transitioning over to leeches, crawlers, and crankbaits. And there's also some evidence that the fish are starting to move in and eating crawdads, crayfish. And Leech Lake has a very good population of, uh, of crayfish, and you'll see those gurgling up when you put them in your live well. So I think they're starting to move uh, into that food source 
a little bit on the lake too. And um, I think it's fair to say now on most of our lakes, uh, the bass have moved off their beds. They're moving back out into the uh, little deeper areas. And um, that means that their spawn mostly is done uh, because I think our water temperatures in most of these lakes now is 60 to 65, 68 degrees getting up there. It's been cooled out a little bit with the cooler temperatures that we, that we got this week, but um, it's, been, it's been better. And then my friend John Stolsky, I talked to him. Uh, he's one of my fellow Nisswa guides. He's been spending quite a bit of time this past week on gall, and uh, there's still fish in the shallows. He's been catching them now 8 to 15 feet of water. It has slowed down. They're not jumping in the boat. He's had to work for them, and like the people on Leech and uh, Winnie, it's, uh, you kind of kind of try to get out of that wind that's been so strong. And when you can find good places to get out of the wind, uh, he said it's been a pretty good bite, and he's starting to use leeches and crawlers a little bit too. But John's still basically a minnow guy. He loves minnows. He loves red-tailed minnows for sure, red-tailed chubs. <clears throat> and he's also observed the bass moving off from their nests, as the crappies did probably mostly last week, and they're moving out into a little deeper water uh, where it's much easier to find them now because you can mark them on your locator. And so the, the bass bite on uh, gall has been very good. Uh, a mixed bag with the walleyes, but the bass bite has been very good. And then I uh, <clears throat> wanted to talk a little bit this week about uh, the Cuyuna Range, um, the mine pits. And I know a lot of people in our area, uh, there, there's two areas that I think are underfished in our area. One is the Mississippi River in the Brainerd Lakes area, all the way down to Little Falls. Uh, you don't see a lot of pressure. There's people that fish it, but you don't see a lot of pressure there. And the other area is the, is the mine pits. And um, in the 1918 was probably the peak year for mining in that Crosby-Ironton area. And uh, at one time, I'm not sure how many, I think there were 27 mines operating uh, at, one, at the peak in probably 1918. And 11 of those mine pits are now lakes. And they're really, it's a beautiful area. <clears throat> the interesting thing about it is a lot of those lakes have kind of flooded over timber. And there's a lot of um, tall old trees that are down there, just, you know, the post of the trees that are left. I have uh, three or four friends who are with a diving club in Brainerd, and they go over there and dive in those pits uh, pretty much year-round. And, and when I say year-round, I mean they're out there when it's 30 below zero diving in those pits, and that I think they're all crazy. But there are, are 11 pits there, and there's... Um, since most of these mines were open, most of them have water that have filled back into them. And some of the lakes, the deepest lake is 550 feet deep. That compares to Superior, Lake Superior, that has the deepest part of its lake at 700 feet. So you can see that it's a really, really some deep areas. <clears throat> and, the, and the divers that tell me uh, when they go down, you, it's amazing the size of the northern pike and they bass that they see down in some of those lakes. They're hard to get to because they get through that brush to get down to them, but there's some monsters in there. The other thing that's kind of unique about this area, there's, there's no motorboats, uh, motors, so it's really quiet. And you'll see most people out there are boarding, kayaking, and uh, it's, it's just a fun place to go because it's really, really quiet. And most of those mine pits are connected so if you get into one, you might have short portages between them, but they're, they're really pretty easy portages. 
And so you don't have to work hard. It's not like going up to Ely where you're walking a mile and a half or two miles between lakes because you just aren't doing that. I think probably the most popular uh, lake fishing-wise is the Portsmouth Mine Pit, sometimes called Portsmouth Pit. It's the deepest lake. I believe it's the deepest lake in Minnesota with a depth of over 450 feet. Uh, I think that's I've, – I've read different depths there. 500 and 450, 50 feet, give it, give it either way, but it's a very, very deep lake. There's about 120 acres on that pit, and it's <clears throat> loaded with, well, I shouldn't say loaded. I think it's fair to say it's got black crappies, bluegills, largemouth bass, northern pike, rainbow trout, rock bass, bullheads, and yellow perch. Those are the, the fish that you will find there. But when they do the surveys with their, their gill nets, they, they're not getting large numbers of fish there because it's not, you know, they're not stocked that heavily. They do stock it, but it's not heavily stocked. But it has a, just a wide variety of fish. And, and uh, there are two main street, uh, strains of trout that are dropped in, or stocked, rather, into these lakes. Uh, they are the rainbow trout, the canoops. Can loops K A N L O O P S and Arley. Other trout species that you could find in some of these lakes are brook trout and brown trout. But before casting a line, be sure you go to the DNR website for fishing regulations on those pits because they are a little bit different than they are in the rest of the state. <clears throat> but uh, it's a, a very interesting area to visit, beautiful area to visit. Take a canoe over there, you'll see a lot of people fishing from the banks. Um, it's a good area to bank fish. Trout fishing can be just absolutely phenomenal at times. I have friends that go over there two or three times a year and do really well on the on the trout. It's a it's an area that, like I said before, if you could figure out how to get down in through those tall timbers, there's some really nice bass, very big northern pike in some of those areas too. Uh, you just have to go over there and explore it. I remember about uh, five or six years ago, I took a camera crew over. In January, we were filming the lakes, and it was about a 25 below zero day. And I, I'm not sure which pit uh, I was on, but there was not a drop of ice on the whole thing. It was all open water, <clears throat> and that's because these lakes are so deep. They're the last places to freeze, and it takes a long period of very, very cold weather, uh, like it does on Lake Superior, to freeze those over. But uh, not far, you know, the Crosby Ironton, you can go downtown. There's a number of establishments there that can give you maps to where to go to show you the accesses to the different pit mines. And uh, if you want to go and explore uh, some really unique areas, take a visit over to the Crosby Mine Pits. Quick question, Ray, on if somebody wanted to go out there and they've never fished before, because you've got me really fired up about wanting to go over there now because I've never fished it. But it sounds like a lot of fun. And, you know, tactic-wise, especially going after trout and stuff, how does one want to go about that if they've never done that before? Well, you know, I think a lot of guys go over with small spinners and crawlers. And they'll troll, and they'll troll at different depths. They'll see if they can find the depths that the the trout are at. And then they'll go and start, uh, you know, they usually use uh, canoes, and they'll go paddle through there and troll uh, they troll to cover ground to see if they can find where the fish are. It's a very, very popular technique. Uh, crawlers and little, and I'm talking like little MEP spinners is a very, very effective way to go over there and see if you can find some trout. 
Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. Some place for, you know, an adventure to check out for sure. Um, and I've heard beautiful area. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of good things. Of, I just I just never had a chance to make my way over there, but I've heard a lot of good things about it, especially on opener weekend. I know it's really busy over there, so um, you can check that out. That's Ray Gildow. With the Nisswa Guides League, you can check Ray out at raygildow.com and uh, also all over social media as well. Ray, I appreciate it. Bringing it as always, and uh, we'll check in next week, okay? All right. Thank you, Brian. And we'll have more Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Braided Outdoors on B93.3. We head out to Malax, get the story out there. Steve Sapaniak standing by as always out on the water. And it sounds like, Steve, with the muskie opener last week, things were pretty busy out there. My goodness, Brian, it was uh, the most amount of people I've seen fishing Malax Lake ever for muskies. Uh, there had to be at least 500 people. Every parking lot we went to already by 6 in the morning was jam-packed. Aisle parking lot there, public access was packed. A quarter mile on each side of the parking lot, they're on the main road park. Quarter mile each direction. Same with Cove Bay. You couldn't get find a place in Cove Bay. Uh, took my clients over to the casino landing over there and everything to fish Avishkung and uh, Wigwam. And I was lucky to find a spot in the ditch next to a tree. So that's how busy it was. Uh, some people had luck. Majority of people didn't, Brian. But, you know, I think that the reason it was so jam-packed was people are tired the last couple of months of sitting home. It was a nice weekend to get out, even though it was windy as heck. So glad to see the people. Uh, just too many of them, but that's life. Yeah, well, I, I mean, fishing licenses, from what I've heard, are almost up. Uh, I, I've heard reports from anywhere from 45 to 60%. Um, so, I mean, that tells you right there that people are really itching to get out. They've been cooped up too long. And, uh, you know, Mille Lacs, big fish, big lake, you know, that that's kind of the story out there. And so it's not a bad destination. No, definitely. You know, I think you're right with the percentage of uh, angling license up to 60%. I believe that's right. I've got a gentleman, a friend of mine from Dakota. We were together muskie fishing right now. That's a wind you can hear. And he was saying, too, over there, you know, there's a lot more people fishing and everything and having fun. You know, two months of being cooped up, like I said, is enough. And you know what? What a great way to get out and enjoy Mother Nature. So what was musky opener like, Steve? You said maybe the fish weren't cooperating like they normally would. Is it cold water temps still? No, actually, I was hoping for that. The colder water, the temperatures would keep them in the shallow. They're done. They were out of the shallows. They were already taking up residency on the main weed beds in the bays, but they are done in the shallows. They're, they got out of there two weeks early. That's why we were looking on Facebook, all these people, you know, posting pictures of muskies. They're catching bass fishing on Mille Lacs Lake. I've seen guys uh, saying they're bass fishing and they're holding up 56, 58-inch muskies. Well, two things to keep in mind, you know, one, yeah, muskie will bite bass-sized equipment. Two, when it's not muskie season, it's illegal to take them out of the water. It's illegal to be holding them up. So everybody having fun showing your picture. You know, good luck at game where it doesn't get you. Uh, but, yeah, they were out of the uh, shallows, Brian, taking up residency on the main cabbage wheat beds on the, in the bays, you know, Vineland Bay, Isle Bay, Cole Bay, Wacom Bay, Max Twin Bays, you know. We're up on Garrison side right now fishing. We've seen, you know, a, a swim by, a big muskie just swimming by. So they're definitely here. We've been having our better luck with glide baits. Uh, spinner baits have been a little slow. 
but the action has been with a slower presentation right now. So, you know, go figure. Why temperatures have been up and down, it stresses the fish. So they're going to be undecided what they want to do. It's, it's the way it is sometimes. Where are we looking at? Are you, are you starting to see a lot of weed growth out there now, Steve? Oh, definitely. You know, uh, we're seeing a lot of weeds in Cold Bay. Wacom Bay is a little bit behind schedule. A lot of weeds over there on the west side, Wigwam, Vineland Bay, closer to shore. They're looking okay. The main uh, bodies of uh, weeds, like over there, Vineland Bay in the 16-foot, you know, which is a half mile from shore, they're just barely starting to move. So that's sort of natural. What I'm more uh, amazed with is the fluctuation, Brian, of water temperature. I went from Wacom Bay this weekend where it was reaching 72 degrees, down to uh, Cove Bay and then over to uh, Wigwam Bay where it was in the high 60s, you know, a difference of 4 to 5 degrees. So that's a lot. That does turn fishing, you know, inside out sometimes. Well, that's going to be interesting, too, because, I mean, we had some warmer temps earlier this week, and now as we head into the weekend and everything, it looks like things are going to get cool again, so that could change. Definitely. You know, it stresses the fish. I hate to say it. You know, we're still going to catch them. You just got to work harder. You got to work smarter. You got to fish slower. Uh, anytime that you go up and down with uh, water temperature, it's just the same like a person outside. You go from 90 degrees to 60 degrees the next day. You know, you get worn out. You get tired. You get stressed. So, how's the walleye fishing been out there, Steve? Walleye fishing is phenomenal. I mean, where we're fishing right now on the Lake Lake for muskies. I can look in either direction and at least see a dozen boats. People are trolling crankbaits. They're jigging jigs and minnows off the bottom where they got bobbers on. So the walleye fishing has been real, real well. People can't complain. In fact, the bite's been so good. I know a lot of people at the resort I'm at right now, I docked, who didn't get up till 8 o'clock this morning to go walleye fishing. You know, in the walleye world, that's sleeping in. But you know what? If they're biting all day, have fun. Why not? Well, absolutely. And so basically the whole lake, I mean, you want to work sand you want to work rocks you want to work transition weeds they're they're all going right now they're all going right now everyone you said is going right now it's been incredible you know uh, the transition we'll, i'll explain to everybody it's like where sand goes to rubble or rubble goes to rock they're there we caught a lot of musky or excuse me a lot of walleyes uh musky fishing that's in the weeds they're biting there too uh, the sand has been doing good, and I'm seeing more people out on the mud flats, you know. But why travel way out there when you got just as good as action within a half mile of shore? There you go. And as far as bass fishing goes out there, Steve, obviously Malak's known for that now. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of bass anglers too, huh? Oh, definitely. The, the bass heads, we call them, you know, lovingly we call them that. They're all over the place. Nice guys from all over the country. They're having fun with the smallmouth, and a lot of guys are finally catching on. You know, Malaxic is a great, great largemouth fishery. Big, big largemouth here. So, yeah, spinnerbaits, jigs and minnow combination, jigs and pigs have been real good. Uh, work the slop, you know, as we call it for uh, the largemouth bass. And if you're interested in the smallies, hit the rock piles, hit the sands and everything on the edge of the weeds, and you'll have all the luck in the world you want. And, you know, crappies, too, we always don't want to sleep on them on Malax, but is that starting to taper off now, Steve? Yeah, the crappie action has tapered off. I haven't seen anything going really decent for the sunfish action. All the landings I'm going to for muskie fishing, I keep looking in the shallows, and I'm starting to see more bluegills moving in. So they're way behind, you know, up here too. But like I said earlier, when the water temperature fluctuates 4, 5, 6 degrees overnight, it's hard to get any kind of pattern going with the smaller fish because they feel it the worst. Yeah, so basically what you're dealing with right now is just wind more than anything, huh? 
Wind, wind, wind. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> wind more than anything. And, well, you know, from yesterday we went from sweltering heat, you know, soaking wet with sweat because it was so humid. So we're bundled up in three, four layers today. Yeah, it, it makes it uh, interesting when it comes to fishing. There's no doubt about that. That's Steve Saponiak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. Steve, I appreciate the info as always. Good luck out there. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we've been talking a lot of fishing on the show, obviously, because that's what uh, people have been doing right now, but I don't want to forget about the hunters. And uh, Brent Beimert joins us with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Brent, uh, this is food plot season, and I'm sure some people have probably got them in already, um, but there are still those that are maybe kind of waiting a little bit, and now that you're open there at Beimert Outdoors, um, people, if they, they need food plot stuff, they got to come see you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still time to get some food plot stuff in. Some of it's just getting about prime time here coming up, you know. Um, Frigid Forage has a big and beastie food plot. It's got a lot of turnip and radishes and different things in it that it's time to get it in the ground. Um, you know, deer season isn't a long ways off, only about three months, so um, we're going to get the food growing. That's for sure. And what are we looking at? Because I know you put some stuff in the ground here this past week. Uh, we were pretty dry there for a while, and then we got some rain. I mean, are, are we pretty in good shape, the, the ground right now, or could we use a little bit more rain? Oh, I think we could use a little bit more rain. Um, you know, we kind of got missed this spring, which makes it okay for me. I was able to you know, usually coming out of winter, my ground's so low, a lot of it, that I can't get into it until it dries up good. Well, I was able to get into my ground early, um, get it turned, let it sit, spray it off, and uh, I got a bunch of it already in the ground. I got some more to go. Um, like I say, uh, you know, you a person can put, we got a forage turnip that's, that's really good um, this time of the year to get in the ground. It doesn't overgrow so the deer are able to pluck it out of the out of the ground come september october um a lot of your brassica plants you know you don't want to plant until now otherwise they get too big and and uh, and stuff but we do uh our biggest thing this spring on some of my stuff has been the water you know we've been pretty dry and it seems like the wind just doesn't quit blowing so that even dries everything out even more so we need some more rain that's for sure now you know, the times that we're in right now, people are kind of cutting back on, on some things, too. Say that somebody had a limited budget but still wanted to get some stuff in the ground. Uh, what is something they could plant, Brent, that wouldn't break the bank for them but still might work? Oh, that, that one I mentioned a couple times, the frigid forage, big and beastie brassica. You know, a guy can put an acre of that in for 40 50 bucks. you know. Um, it does help to get some fertilizer on it, of course, and, and everything. Um but it it it's not as expensive as some guys think, especially if they got the equipment and the means of turning the ground themselves. Um, you can get some pretty nice food plots for for um, not very much money. So 
Um, you know, there's two acre bags that we have in that frigid forage. Uh, like I say, those radishes. Radishes are one of my favorites because deer will eat those. They'll start eating them in September and they'll keep eating them all the way into winter until they're gone. So that's a pretty nice food plot to bow hunt over. That's something I think people forget sometimes how much deer they love radishes, they love pumpkins and all that other stuff. They think, you know, maybe apples and clover and everything else. But uh, I tell you what, when it comes to stuff like that, deer just devour them. Yeah, especially, you know, like turnips and different things. There's a, there's a lot of different varieties that deer actually won't eat until they freeze. So for the gun hunters and the guys that want to hunt that November, um, you know, they'll, they'll leave those food plots alone a little bit until the first that's and then the sugars flow up from the roots into the leaves and that makes them palatable and and that's when they're ready so those food plots won't get touched in august and september you know like a like soybean you know they love those uh, august and september real early and then they go the other direction you know once they freeze them deer leave them alone until till late in the year but um clover is kind of the same thing i mean clover is very important it's high in protein um, I do our trails in clover, uh, try to get as much clover as we can because that'll keep them, you know, early spring through summer and early fall. Uh, but once the clover turns bitter, they leave that and that's when they turn to those brassicas and corn and different, different types of food that's not ready until, until after a frost. So if a person just knows how they, you know, how they're hunting, whether it's for gun season or whether they think they're going to hunt mostly in November, December, you know, choosing the right food plot blend is is key to your hunting as well. Now, one of the things we dealt with last year, and we're probably going to be dealing with it here for the next couple of years, is the whole CWD thing here in the area. And is it basically now, Brent, you, you can't sell like mineral blocks or any of those type of things? If it only comes out of the ground, is that really all you can sell right now? Yeah, unfortunately, we can't put out a protein block. We can't put out mineral blocks and stuff like that which i really like doing that because i hang my cameras there through the summer and early fall and stuff and and that's where i mean if you got a mineral block or something out there you'll see every buck in the in your woods on it through the summer and early fall when they're in the velvet stage and they're growing antler unfortunately we can't uh we can't have those out there so um now i just have my cameras on my food plots and and try to catch them on water hole or something of that sort uh as far as bows go brent uh the 2020s that are out there i'm sure you're fully stocked with them huh yeah we got uh we got all the matthews all the hoyts stocked up and loaded um the new hoyt rx4 carbon bow is an awesome shooting bow if uh if a person hasn't shot it yet they should come in and test it out i think it's the best bow that hoyts put out yet um, we got the VXR series. Uh, there's a VXR 28-inch axle-to-axle and a VXR 31.5 axle-to-axle from Matthews. And, of course, they're just they're fabulous. It's amazing. We've talked about this many times, how they just keep coming out with different things. You'd think that how can they improve these things more and more and more, but every year they seem to do that. Yeah, I quit guessing anymore, you know. Um, <laughs> this year they brought us two flagship bows and, and uh, from Matthews, and like I say, they're just great shooting bows. They have switch cam technology in them. They've rebalanced them. Um, you know, they're just they're they're awesome to say the least. Crossbows are you, are you guys still stocking some of them too? 
Yep, we're loaded up with the Mission Crossbow from Matthews. We have uh, all the sub-series bows in stock. Um, you know, with the whole uh, COVID thing and stuff, we were a little bit reluctant. We didn't know what was going on, so we were a little bit behind on ordering in some of the Ravens and 10 points, uh, but we can get them uh, relatively quick. We're going to, uh, I got to sit down and get some Ravens on order here very soon. Cause like I say, both, both seasons sneaks up pretty fast. You know, we enjoy the summer so much and it just seems like it can fly by so fast that pretty soon we're sitting in a tree. Yeah. Well, like you said in the beginning, I mean, we're what, three months out until bow season. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thought? everything is coming by so quick. And, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you, Brent, I, you know, I was talking with Mandy earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me how turkey license sales were up like 45%. Did you talk to a lot of hunters? Did they have some pretty good turkey success this year? Yeah, it seemed like it. There was, it seemed like there was hunters everywhere. Um, you know, people had a lot of extra time on their hands. You know, there was a lot of people laid off from work. And, you know, Minnesota, you didn't necessarily have to apply this year. You could just buy a tag for your season that you wanted. Um and then, of course, the bow the bow tag for turkeys is is all seasons. You know, I mean, you got two months to to bow hunt with it. And there was a lot of people out. Um, Sounds like uh, there was a lot of turkeys that were harvested and uh, and stuff. So it was a good season. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, people will get out and enjoy the outdoors. I know the the, the fishermen have been out and the anglers have been out uh, on the water. I'm sure you've been seeing that too. Oh yeah, yep. They uh, guys have been out on the water for sure. A lot of bow fishermen in. We have uh, we have some bow fishing stuff in the shop too. Um, those guys have hit the water pretty heavy uh, this spring as well. So, a lot going on. That's Brent Beimer at Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Check him out just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. I appreciate it, Brent. Uh, great talking to you, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. More Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And a couple of news items we wanted to uh, brush up on here before we wrap the show up. Unfortunately, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources has confirmed a report of zebra mussels in Farm Island Lake in Aiken County, a lake property owner fishing on the lake contacted the DNR after finding an adult zebra mussel on vegetation attached to a boat anchor. The DNR sampled the vegetation and collected a plankton sample, which revealed a zebra mussel larvae or veliger. Veligers may indicate a reproducing population of zebra mussels is established in the lake. After reports of individual zebra mussels in Farm Island in 2018 and 2019, the DNR was unable to find additional zebra mussels or villagers despite a number of follow-up searches. The DNR appreciates the uh, villagers of Lake users who contact the agency when they find what may be an invasive species not previously confirmed in a lake. Now, whether or not invasive species have been confirmed in a lake, Minnesota law requires boaters and anglers to clean watercraft and trailers of aquatic plants and prohibited uh, invasive species drain all water by removing drain plugs and keeping them out during transport, dispose of unwanted bait in the trash, and some invasive species are small and difficult to see at the access, so to remove them or kill them, 
You can take one of the more following precautions before moving to another water body, and that is spray with a high-pressure washer, rinse with very hot water, 120 degrees at least, and dry for at least five days. Zebra mussels can compete with native species for food and habitat, cut the feet of swimmers, reduce the performance of boat motors, and cause expensive damage to water intake pipes. People should contact an area DNR aquatic invasive species specialist if they think they have found zebra mussels or any other invasive species that has not already been confirmed in a lake. More information is available on the DNR's aquatic invasive species webpage, which you can link through to at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. And one on a lighter note I thought was interesting I would share, uh, Michael Jordan, the legendary basketball player, uh, he soared above his competition during his days playing for the Chicago Bulls, and uh, he's now focused his uh, life on attempting to stamp his name on another element, and that's water. Jordan is currently competing in the sec- or 62nd annual Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament in Moorhead City, North Carolina this week, and his crew, called Catch-23, just landed a trophy blue marlin weighing 442.3 pounds. So how about that? Michael Jordan now dominating the fishing industry after so many legendary years with the Chicago Bulls. So that's going to wrap up Rainered Outdoors for this week. Uh, You can catch the show each and every uh, weekend just after 7 Saturday mornings, 7 o'clock Sunday nights, and 5 a.m. Monday mornings right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com if you're away from your radio and we're all over the podcast network. So wherever you download your favorite podcast, just search Brainerd Outdoors and uh, give us a nice uh, like and review. We'll see you next week for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Liveax Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.